Networking and marketing made simple is for you, the business owner who has a product, a service, or a message that you believe in. My name is Scott Aaron, and each week we'll take a behind the scenes look into the real world marketing and networking tactics and strategies for getting what you have in front of you to a lot more people. Thanks for spending time with me. And now let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Networking and Marketing Made Simple. Super excited for today's episode, not because it's just another interview. It's not just another interview. Uh, I get to interview a friend today, which is uh, always uh, a lot of fun because, one, she's killing it. And uh, number two, I love seeing my friends win. Um, my guest today, we, we go way back, um, almost eight years and we've come in and out of each other's lives in multiple capacities, whether it was doing a podcast or a guest training or a speaker spot, it's just always been there. And I'm finally getting her onto the podcast, which I'm very, very grateful for. And you guys are going to love this episode, uh, everything that she stands for, the mission that she's on, and the people that she is serving. So without further ado, Rebecca Caffiero, welcome to today's episode. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. I can't believe it's been eight years, but a lot of life has happened. A lot of life has happened, which I, I actually want to want to get right into. So uh, for my audience that is not familiar with you know who you are and what you're doing now, let's let's give the backstory a little bit and dive more into what I call the catalytic moment that sends someone on the path that they're currently on. So looking back in your entrepreneurial endeavors, what would you say for you personally was that catalytic moment that, you know, had you start to go down that entrepreneurial path that inevitably has gotten you here today, but also all the bigger things that are yet to come? Yes. So it started nine years ago, but I would really say it started probably 35 years ago. Um, ever since I was a child, I always was thinking of like business ideas. I've just always loved the creativity of creating things. And that might've been like haunted houses that I was charging for, or also, um, I used to wash cars for all of my friends' parents. And then I would offer to babysit, or if I was babysitting, I'd offer to wash their cars. I mean, that's always been something that just came naturally. I've always loved, well, I love to make money as a kid to have freedom. And, and that's really what it's all about, right? Is that freedom to do what we want, when we want, with whom we want. But both of my parents are entrepreneurs, they're business owners, and in a very different way than you and I are. They have, they have physical businesses. My stepdad's a water well driller, my dad's a commercial fisherman. And I saw being a business owner, I thought it meant being controlled by the seasons, regulation, the weather, like all of these things. And I said, I want none of it. So I followed my love of words, of writing, of storytelling, and study journalism, worked for a paper for a few years, realized I really didn't want to live below poverty level, which it still makes me so sad that journalism is such a poorly paid thing, even though I now I love supporting journalists to make their lives easier. Um, but then I went to the sales and marketing in the corporate world, and I was there for almost 13 years and, you know, making multiple six figures in my 20s and, and I had the ego driven um, VP title, the office, the car allowance, all of these things. And was really getting to do some, some very cool things. And I'm very grateful for that time, but 
I started to daydream outside of my, my job and started to feel like my career was getting in the way of my life. Um, and it came, there, there was actually a very specific moment that really was the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, my husband was diagnosed with cancer and, and I'd actually lost my boyfriend before him to cancer in my early thirties. And so my husband got diagnosed. Um, and I was, I had this like, how is lightning striking twice moment, but his surgery didn't get scheduled until two weeks before the actual date. And I, that was my first day at a new job. I had transferred from one division to another. So they had everything set up. I was speaking to the operations team. They'd closed down our sales offices. And I didn't feel in that moment, like I could ask for the time off because I was so worried. Well, if I ask to reschedule my first day when they've basically shut down the company for me to show up and you know deliver a keynote, then they're going to think I'm not dedicated. And if they don't think I'm dedicated, this is going to affect the trajectory of my career. And so I ultimately, I made that choice, but I didn't feel like I had a choice. And I can remember, you know, I, I only worked a half day. Fortunately, I delivered my speech and then I left after lunch and I was driving to the hospital. It was about a two hour drive, like crying my eyes out. And I just said, I'm never going to be in a position again where I feel like I have to make a choice. And, you know, the good and the bad about it, because I think people think being an entrepreneur is just about like being able to make more money or have more time freedom or that. And, and yes, that's great, but it's really about being able to prioritize what is most important in your life without a thought. And so when my husband went through the third time, which was, um, it was a, a quite a harrowing experience, but he was in the hospital for a few weeks. I didn't think twice about canceling everything. I also had residual income thanks to network marketing, that was able to pay the bills while I was at the hospital being his advocate. So that's where it all started. So, you know, we, we have a lot of similarities. Um, and, you know, uh, my wife went through cancer last year and, and uh, came out on the other side, very successful and beat everything. And we were very grateful for that. Uh, but you and I both, where we met was in network marketing in the same company. Uh, we had the same business coach. Mm-hmm. And we both transitioned out of network marketing. And it's, you know, people ask me the question all the time, you know, what, why, why would you stop? Why would you transition out? And uh, there was no specific one answer, but I, I think for me, you know, again, I don't have a corporate background. I've, I've only owned my own businesses and I was put into a position where I realized that I actually didn't own the business that I was growing. I realized that I was in a very vulnerable position where, yes, uh, the income that I had been and continue to create was built off of my efforts. It was a percentage of my efforts. But ultimately, the person that was responsible for paying me for these efforts was the one that was controlling the faucet and it can be turned off at any point. So for someone, as our business coach, Jeffrey says, psychologically unemployable, as someone who's psychologically unemployable, when I was backed into the corner, so to speak, and realized like, shit, like I'm an employee right now. Like I am not in control of this whatsoever. I had already been doing what I've been doing on LinkedIn, but that was like kind of like my big aha moment where I'm like, you know what, I'm going to take this for what it is and meet it for where it's at, but I'm going to lean into me, my personal brand, my endeavors, my business, 
the things that I'm creating, the things that I'm doing, and I haven't looked back. So what was that, that transition like for you going from making great money residually leveraged wise in network marketing to then, you know, having your um, seven figure business outside of, of network marketing? What was that transition like for you? And what was that, again, what was that moment much like mine that kind of pushed you in that direction? I love this so much. And it's so funny. I, you know, you and I both have guested on so many podcasts. No one's ever asked me this question. Well, there's a, again, in the pre-show, there's a first for everything. So there's a first for everything. Yeah. First for everything. Well, okay. So before I answer, I, I want to say that, you know, I am unbelievably grateful for network marketing and I know you are as well. I don't want people to get the wrong impression with my story. Everything that you and I are doing is because of network marketing. 100%. It was the, the, that first step. It, it, it was the first step into tapping into other things that we could be doing. It, 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 it lit a different kind of spark. But again, mm -hmm. you and I, much like a lot of our friends as well, would not be doing what we were doing if it wasn't for the experience that we had in network marketing. And, and again, I, I owe everything to that experience. Network marketing is like the community college of entrepreneurship. And then owning your business is like owning a solopreneurship is, is you know, college. And then scaling a business with employees is your MBA, really, you know? Um, so I went into network marketing and, and like many people, I was a product user, loved the product, was like, oh, interesting. There's this opportunity attached, had to get over my own ego about the fact like I was already earning a quarter million dollars a year. And so, you know, I had a great job, but again, it didn't give me the time freedom, but also what made me great at network marketing like you is like, we're natural connectors, right? Like when I have people that are like, I want to do network marketing. I'm like, well, what are you passionate about? Have you served your network and served your network does not mean you have an email list, but it's like, do you have a network that trusts you that you brought value to? If they say no to those things, it's going to be difficult, not only to build a network marketing business, but to build any business. So for anyone listening, if you have no business or you haven't built a network marketing business, like the best thing that you can do long before you need it is build that social equity, right? To serve people in some way, just be that person that they think of when they when they want to ask for a recommendation to anything. Um, but I loved the first two years. I loved it of network marketing because it, it taught me the basic skills of putting myself out there with no, like, like, yes, I had skin in the game, but there was no risk, right? Cause there was no cost. I mean, I think after maybe a year, I hired my first part-time assistant. I was paying them like a thousand dollars a month. Like basically I had no overhead, you know, the old, you can eat your overhead. But then here's what I realized when I was in corporate as a VP of sales and marketing, I was instrumentally involved in everything we did. I created the marketing plans. I created the buyer personas. I created the strategies. I got to approve the floor plans. I was in new home development. So I was really heavy on the creation side. And that's the part of that career that I loved the most. I didn't like dealing with unhappy buyers. I didn't like corporate bureaucracy. I didn't like being told I had to cap my salespeople's commissions, right? I didn't like those things, but I loved the creative side. And there was a little bit of that in network marketing, but what I ultimately realized, I was like, wait a second, I've actually become my salesperson, not the VP of sales. I'm not creating the marketing. I'm waiting like for the promotion to be released and like, okay, now go do it. But the biggest thing, and, and I think that this is something that I could do differently if I had to build, start over again, even though if I had to start over again, I would just build what I built now, but is 
the boundaries around your time. And at least what I was modeled or possibly what I think was the culture was, especially when you're starting out, you have got to be available all of the time because if somebody has a bad experience with a product, they're never going to become a business builder. And so I can remember, you know, even before I had my child, like I remember taking calls. I think I was like, like returning emails at the hospital in labor. It just, it was all consuming. And so when I was pregnant with my daughter, so this was, um, 2019, I had her, I was pregnant with my daughter and I had been building my business for, I think about five years. And I had worked it full time. And uh, with the exception of the first seven months I was doing with my, at the same time as my career. But I said, I'm going to take maternity leave. That was a big part of my reason to even join network marketing is because at my corporate job, I only would have had six weeks. It would have been disability leave. I would have been paid 60%. And then the expectation was you come back or you are unpaid. You know, and with my son, when he was born, which was about two and a half years into my network marketing business, I literally, he was overdue, but I had him on a Thursday. And the following Saturday, so nine, 10 days later, I was keynoting a super Saturday. And I can remember, you know, sorry for the males in the audience, but like literally, because I was a brand new mom. I, I mean, I leaked, like my breast leaked and I was like, had wet spots on stage. I mean, it was a mess. I should have never done that. But again, they were celebrating all these people who like just had a baby and like enrolling, whatever, you know, it was, that was celebrated. It was like the busier you were, if you were getting results, that was celebrated. And that's completely not sustainable. And frankly, it's irresponsible. Um, so again, back to the question, I, when I had my daughter, I said, I'm taking a maternity leave. Like, this is what my business isn't built for. You know, I now had leaders that could, I could leverage a lot. Um, and I took a three month maternity leave. And I said, during that time, I'm not touching my business. I'm not training. I'm not showing up like on weekly webinars. I'm not doing any of these things. I'm taking time off. Only thing I did during that time is what I felt called to do, which was podcast and write my book, um, which came out the next year. And then the end of three months happened. And I said, I don't want to go back that break. And I, but I also didn't have another business. So I'm like, well, now what? So I still had the income and listen, like everyone talks about passive income. The reality is, is, I mean, possibly if you've reached the highest levels, like I was at the point I was, I was at like 175 to 200,000 a year in my business. Um, as I gave it less attention, the income did whittle, not significantly at first, but now, I mean, now it's been three and a half years. I haven't touched it. And, you know, it's gone from 200,000 ish to, I think probably now about I'm trying to think what I'm making now, 25,000 a year, which listen, I'm unbelievably grateful to have $25,000 a year residual, but that's, that is not truly passive if it does go away. But I want people to really, you know, listen to that, you know, um, like you, I, I was at around. 11,000 a month, 10,000 a month. Um, haven't touched it since 2018, almost four years. And, you know, I make five, 600 hours a month now. I, I mean, again, it, it's, listen, it's, it's money, right? But it's leveraged income. And I think that the, the big, the big thing that, that we want people to listen is that um, what we realized, both of us collectively, is that if you if you don't stop working it, you know, 
that's the only way to keep it growing. Exactly. If you if you stop working, because again, you know, we talk about this work life integration, right? Like you, like I was flashing back. I remember um, when Nancy and I first started dating in 2017. I I would be at the dinner and I would be on a call with someone that had mm-hmm. questions about like the business or something, and and she said to me, she goes, "You you gotta you gotta stop making yourself so available. Like this exactly. is insane." And it was again, like retrospectively, I didn't see anything wrong with what I was doing until someone turned the mirror around and said, listen, like we're out to dinner right now. And you're focused, like you got to be focused here. My husband felt very, very similarly. And it's, again, this is, this is no fault to Rebecca or myself. You know, we were just in all honesty, we're both outgoing people. Um, We're both communicative people, but we're both we are the most coachable people. You, you tell us to do something, we're going to do it. And yeah. we were only doing what we were taught, but you know, not to speak for you, but I lost the sense of my work-life integration. It became, oh. it, it, you, you become addicted to trying to get this thing to go and grow and do and more. And, and just to show people, well, you know, look at me, you know, I'm on stage training nine days after, you know, my, my breasts are leaking and, you know, I can do it. You could do it too. So no excuses. And right, which is not the method, message I want to be sending in your no. mother. Like, take off the fourth trimester, like, nurture your body, like, build a bond with your baby. No. There was one other moment, I think that, well, there was two others. One was um, I did a reward trip, like, which I paid for, for one of my leaders when they had a certain position and took them to Europe for a trip, which was like, I, you know, was away from my child and everything. It was amazing. But it was a working trip. Like, we were still working. We were networking. And I can remember sitting down for this beautiful dinner. I'd made this reservation and like, you know, bottle of champagne. And she spent the first 15 minutes on her phone. And I was like, you know, posting on social. And I was like, hey, like gently, like, can you be present? Like we're in literally in Paris, this magical moment. She's like, yeah, but I have to post because like, I'm showing people like, like basically I'm showing people the lifestyle and now I need to engage with it. And in that moment, I'm like, do you not see the hypocrisy of like, you're showing them a lifestyle, but you're not even present for what you've created. And I realized that was ultimately a mirror of what was happening in my own life. Um, but one other thing that I'm really grateful though, I'd, I'd say from network marketing, even in entrepreneurship is I see so many entrepreneurs that are still trading time for money. And what you and I both learned is like creating residual project products or creating things like that. Like I think network marketing gave us that, um, that seed, that understanding, and that we took it into what we've now built. I, I call it the glimpse into residual income because network marketing is a form of it. It's leveraged. And that, like you, it gave Nancy and I kind of like that clue into like, okay, you know, we could create something like this. And again, that's what we're, we're all doing now, which is awesome. And that's what I want to kind of transition to, because again, there was this, you know, three month window where, you know, Rebecca takes off you know, I'm, I'm just going to focus on being a mom. I don't want to go back to this. I, you know, I wrote my book, I'm doing my podcast and a, a big passion of yours that you kind of fell into uh, organically was visibility and self PR for, for lack of words, you were, you were always great at self promoting yourself, putting yourself out there. And everything that you're doing now is again, is, is helping um, female business owners and female entrepreneurs 
um, cut through the mess of, of what's out there with PR to really streamline the process and get that visibility, you know, get booked on podcasts, get booked in magazines, get interviews, get on TV. But, you know, leading into that, w- when did you realize that, that your zone of genius was this, this self-motivated PR strategy that you created that then became obviously the, the, this bigger business that it is right now? Yes. So I did not have any intention of learning PR to teach it as a business, which is where the best business opportunities come from, right? Like you and LinkedIn, like you weren't doing it to teach it. You were doing it for your business. And what I was looking at, and actually it was really about network marketing. Another thing I haven't really shared is in network marketing, I'm like, I was so frustrated by not being, I guess, not having that credibility of my former job. And I was a fortune you know, 500 or fortune 1000 VP. I was the youngest female VP in a a a publicly traded company. But when I left, well, first of all, people that I was crazy, like people that I was crazy to go to network marketing, but then within network marketing, when I was looking at recruiting, which is, I know that's such a kind of a dirty word, but the reality is like, we're all recruiting all the time. Like anybody that has clients, you're always recruiting. So when I was recruiting, I was like, how can I show myself as more credible? And I got the health coach certification, which didn't, help. It just made people want to ask me more questions about cleansing. But that's why I was like, you know what, PR, because if I can brand myself as a lifestyle expert, right? So uh, personal optimization, energy, like even female entrepreneurship, then it'll be easier to network. It'll be easier to, it'll be easier to stand out really. Um, Because there, you know, there's so many people out there doing network marketing so horribly. And there's some people doing it really well, but I'm like, what could set me apart? And I looked at one of some of the thought leaders, like the, the Lori Harders, the Susan Slys, and something that they all had in common is they'd all been published. And going back to my journalism days, I'd worked as, you know, as a reporter for three years or three or four years as a daily reporter. And while I was both a reporter and an associate editor, when it was quiet on weeks that we didn't have like unbelievable content planned, I would go to the fax machine and I would get all the press releases we'd been faxed. And I'd look through them and I'm like, oh, is this interesting? Like, do we want to cover this? So I'd been on the other side. I'd been the journalist that was getting pitched by PR. And so I did know the power of it. I'd, I'd gotten the CDs back in the days of CDs to like, you know, feature in our entertainment section, the movie or the DVD or whatever, the video. Um, so I had this idea. And so I got a couple of quotes. I went to a couple of people that were getting PR and I was like, who's your person? And I met with them and they were all between three and 5,000 a month for a six month minimum. And I said, I mean, that's, that's a lot of income. And the other thing is none of them guaranteed results. So it's one thing, you know, the programs I like, like I should be able to like how to launch a podcast or like how to write a best-selling book or how to get PR. We all promise results, but this idea of investing 20 to $30,000 with no results was crazy. So I said, okay, let's, I'm going to pass on this. This just doesn't make sense. But I had a girlfriend who owned her own boutique PR company. She had been a director of PR at some publicly traded companies. And I said, like, let me take you out for a mani-pedi, you know? So I took her out, paid for a mani-pedi and just sat there for the hour in the chair and just asked her questions. And I, I gleaned like enough tips from her that I was like, between this and my journalism career, and, you know, I had a 13 year career in sales and marketing. I'm like, I understand how this all works together. I just need to put this in practice. So I spent the next year in very messy action. Um, this was actually this was actually while I was pregnant with my daughter. So it was, it was before I did, I was still doing it to de- develop the credibility for network marketing. Uh, but I had a ticking time clock. I was like, I've got six months to figure this out and make sure this works. 
And during that time, I'd spent about 20 hours, I think over a total of a year, and I ended up with 20 national publications. And, and without even pitching to podcasts, like a dozen podcast opportunities. Just, well, a little bit of pitching, but not, not really even intentionally pitching. And what started to happen is, yes, it turned into some clients from a network marketing perspective. But what it really turned into is people that were in my, my network, like Rebecca, how are you getting this PR? Will you coach me on it? So I started taking on a couple of one-on-one clients. And what I realized is before you can actually go out and pitch to PR, you need some clarity. You need clarity on like, what is my brand message or my niche statement, my brand promise? You need clarity on what are my expert topics? So what are those things that I want to be known for, right? How do I want to be positioned? Like that's the basics. And then, and this is what most PR doesn't teach you is how are you going to actually monetize this? So how are you going to organically build in, in a non-salesy way, a call to action or an opt-in or a gift or something that takes that person from just hearing your name to like actually interacting with you so you can go and nurture them? Because most people think about visibility as going viral on Instagram or TikTok. But what they don't realize is that that will make you like popular for about 30 seconds. Credibility through press is timeless. Because you never have to take that as seen in whatever publication or that podcast recording off of your website or wherever else you're showcasing your credibility. So again, I, I love the accidental purposeful journey that that you're on, that I'm on as well as, as you stated, like, you know, PR was something that you never thought you'd be teaching. LinkedIn is never something never I thought I'd be teaching. So now that things are you know, we came full circle. We ended up in the same coaching program, um, ended up reconnecting that way. What would you say, you know, again, through the experience of being on the corporate side of things, you know, uh, rising in the ranks, you know, being, you know, the youngest female VP, um, you know, rising the ranks of network marketing and being a top leader uh, to now just being an incredible, incredible business owner, supporting female business owners the way that you are. What would you say is the, the biggest lesson that you, you know, took from one to the next to the other? What, what was the reoccurring lesson that you learned from all of this that has enabled you to continue to move in the direction that you currently are? This is going to sound so basic, but it's being a good human being. And it's also really nurturing relationships without having it be conditional. Because one of the things that I saw as, you know, I had people that left my team and they didn't maybe like leave the tree or whatever, but they just were like, you know what, this is no longer for me for whatever reason. I had that before I decided to step away. And I saw two ways that people were treated. They were either <clears throat> like ostracized, like, how dare they, you know? And I said, I'm never going to be like that. Like even, even in my corporate days, you know, I'd left companies and then had employees follow me to the next opportunity. That doesn't happen unless they believe in you as a leader. And they, don't, they, they like you as a human being and they trust you and they value you and you have, you have nurtured that relationship. And again, that was why I was successful in network marketing is I had nurtured relationships. You know, I had leaders that I'd gone to high school with. Like that starts out with being a good human being who people trust. And then some of those leaders that, that left my network marketing business, you know, they, some of them went on to other network marketing companies. And then some of them went into entrepreneurship. They went on to other things, but almost all of them are back in my world because now I have something that everyone needs. 
I mean, everyone needs visibility because visibility and credibility um, helps build profitability. But I would say, again, be a good human being, nurture the relationships without condition. Like after someone's your client, like after they are no longer your client, still nurture the relationship. One of, I think my biggest pet peeves, and you see this in the DMs with the, hey girl, love your content. We're so aligned. You should look at my opportunity, right? Instead of being like, maybe interact with them for a week or two before you pitch them. It's the same thing when you're pitching to press. It's the same thing, or it's similar pitching to press, but it's the same when you're pitching to podcast hosts. If you're always focused on what's in it for you in anything in life, you're going to have so much less success. People can read through it. If you focus on connection and on adding value, and then lastly, on where you can add value to their community, their platforms, you're going to have so much more success. So before we wind down, um, and I get to my final, final question. What would you say, in summary, is the biggest misconception in regards to PR for entrepreneurs? Because like you, you and I spoke offline and I was telling you about, you know, the one firm that was to get in the door 4000 a month for a nine month commitment. You know, what, what's the biggest misconception? Because people, you know, think PR, they think they have to spend 10, 20, 30, 40, $50,000 in order to get it. What would you say is the, the misconception that goes along with that? So there's, there's two. One is that you need special connections. The two is that you need to have been in business for a long time. Or, well, I guess the third is that you have to pay for it, right? Now, when you're paying a PR company, here's what you're really paying for. You're paying for their expertise and knowing how to pitch appropriately. And you're paying for any relationships that they have, okay? But in both of those, even if you're paying for it, even if they get results, you're still paying a gatekeeper. So after that six months, yes, you might look more credible, might be, have been more visible, but you can't reproduce those results because you've learned nothing from it. You don't have the relationships. So one of the things that I love to teach is how to build those relationships because it's not as hard as you think. Like, I'll give one example. Um, one of the producers, well, actually, this was just a press release I wrote for a client. She just released her book, became a best-selling author. And I had a response from the press release from a producer that's like, she sounds great. I'd love to book her. It was a national TV show. So audience of 4 million. And I do what I always do after the pitch. And then after successfully like being on whatever it is, the episode, the show, et cetera. If it's for me, I then pitch a client. If it's for a client, I then pitch myself. And so after that, I said, how can I serve you? you know, thank you. First of all, for the opportunity. I so appreciate it. Like be again, a good human being. But then how can I serve your audience more? What are you looking for in other experts or other guests? And she told me exactly what she was looking for. So then I pitched her the next guest. In the last three months, she has featured 12 of my clients plus myself on national TV. And so then after like, after I think guest 10, I said, I also, I sent her flowers. I mean, this is like a hundred dollar bouquet to someone that's given now, I mean, it's thousands and thousands of dollars of media, right? Um, and by the way, it looks great on a speaker reel. So we just jumped on a call and I was like, hey, you know, one, what can I do even better? And so she gave me just a couple other tweaks. And by the way, this is something I've always done. Once I've successfully landed something has been like, is there any feedback that can make this even better or easier the next time? And that's why my pitch templates, which I'm going to give to your, your listeners, why they're so good and they're so effective is because they incorporate a lot of little things. And when I now pitch or my clients pitch, they have people say, I like never take cold pitches, but this is the best pitch I've ever got, right? It's so thoughtful. It's everything's in it. Like it's, it's irresistible. 
So anyways, I asked her those questions. She gave me a couple of other little tweaks. And then she, I said, well, are you open to more frequent guests? Because I was giving her once a week. She's like, yeah, I'll take three or four a week. Think about this. This is, I could basically get every single one of my clients on a national TV show. Now, not everyone is ready for TV, right? We're working towards that. But the other thing is now she's coming in as an expert in my programs and speaking as a national producer. So the value of that to my clients is also huge. Um, so that's, that's one of the things is building those connections. And I know that's going to open up other opportunities. I mean, I exactly. couldn't, you, oh, go ahead. The, the, you know, the relationships are, are really that important. The, I had one reporter, same type of thing. I had, I had pitched using this incredible source called helper reporter. Um, I, I talk, oh yeah, love, you use that. love Harrow, love Harrow. Yes. Help a reporter out. It's helperreporter.com. And I talk a little bit about this in um, a free training I do because if someone just signs up, it is very overwhelming. There are some very specific best practices to really utilize it powerfully. But I met a reporter through there. It was anonymous, which are usually the best publications because they're the big ones. It was US News and World Report. I got back to her quickly, which is what you always want to do with reporters, like be really responsive. And, you know, we ended up emailing a couple of times over the next year. And then when the pandemic hit, I didn't realize she'd opted into my email list or was following me on social. So when the pandemic hit, I was doing a series just like to my email list and, and online about like different things of like ways, ways to work well from home. And so she responded to the email I'd sent out and she said, hey, this would be a great segment that I think you should pitch the news. I didn't know because she featured me in one thing that she had all these contacts because she, in addition to being a reporter, was an on-air personality. So she pitched me and because I built the relationship. Oh, and she also then featured me in another article on US News and World Report with like four paragraphs. I mean, I was like the highlight of the article. And when she did that, I sent her a gift. I was like, can I get your address? I sent her a gift. After that, when she's like, hey, let me help you. She pitched me to CBS, to a studio in Utah, and then to another national show where I got an 18 minute segment in front of a syndicated audience of 44 million. And in a turn, that other, that other producer I met I pitched her and I connected them. So now she's a regular. So it's just, it's again, taking care of those relationships. You don't need to know a thousand producers, podcast hosts, right? If you know four or five producers, they will connect you with other people. Quality always leads to quantity. That's, yes. that's my big belief. So again, you have um, free gift for everyone, which I'm, I'm really excited for everyone to get their hands on. It's your, you know, your templates. Um, before you, you talk about that, uh, my final question, uh, what does success truly mean to you? Mm, I love that. Well, I've redefined success as fulfillment, mm. right? Because I, I was very successful in my career and I wasn't fulfilled. So uh, success for me is having a, a great combination of structure and space. I call it the science and the magic of living. Right. So the structure is like, I have a business that I am obsessed with. I have a team that I love. Like I don't call them my employees. I call them my team. I have clients that I'm excited to get on calls with and we see the results. Like I always say, I don't, I don't judge my success by how many clients we bring in or the you know amount of income we bring in in a month. I judge it by the results my clients are getting. And it's unbelievable, but it's being able to be fully vested in my purpose, in my career, in my business with the flexibility to still be able to follow my creativity. So this year that looked like I just bought a, um, an investment property in Palm Springs. We're branding it. It's going to be called the Pink Paloma. It's going to be like the go-to spot in Southern California 
for like female retreats, you know, of course, Coachella, all of those things. But I'm also, I have the bandwidth because I have two days a week where I don't talk to anybody. Well, Thursdays and Fridays, Fridays, team mornings for creative projects, Thursdays are all to myself, where I have the bandwidth that I had someone that I really respect approach me about doing a joint partnership in the consumer product good world. And so we're working on that. That's what it is, is where I am not limited both by what I'm able to do and by how I'm able to do it, but that I also have the time for my family. And this year that looks like I have to, I'd have to go back and look at my calendar, but I think I'm taking off seven weeks this year and having my business automated to the point and with my team where I have the people and the systems that I trust that I can step away and be fully in my life because that that's like where you get the juice from, right? That's where I come back with bigger ideas, more excitement, more passion in those expansive, like soul opportunities. I couldn't agree more. It's spending your days living instead of spending your days working. That's, that's, that's what we're all getting to love that. So before we sign off, um, tell the audience, Rebecca, how they can get in touch with you um, and talk a little bit about the free gift that they're getting and where they can find it. Yeah. So I'm on all the platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, and my website is Rebecca Cafiero, C-A-F as in Frank, I-E-R-O. And I have a gift that is a live training that I'm doing weekly. And you can go to RebeccaCafiero.com forward slash become press worthy. So that's B-E-C-O-M-E-P-R-E-S-S worthy, W-O-R-T-H-Y. And it's about an hour training. And it's really based on this mission of mine that your vision deserves visibility. So we go through three secrets on the training. One is how to book those big media features to be seen by potentially millions of potential clients without the connections, paying for ads, running a sales funnel. Number two is the reason that journalists and podcasters and publishers actually are starving for new content and how you can utilize your current expertise without going out and getting another certification. And then last, what I give away on that is I walk through that four-in-one pitch template. So anyone that's on live, we actually give away that template. And the cool thing is that template gets updated. Like as we learn new things, we update it. So they are opted in for that. Um, and just really going over, like, what are the things that are actually keeping you back? from creating not just powerful, but also profitable PR. Cause I am not a fan of doing it for vanity metrics. I'm a fan of doing it because it's actually going to impact the bottom line of your business. Love that. And uh, for all the listeners that will be in the show notes of the episode, but also in the email that goes out along with this, uh, we're going to have to do a part two because I want to dive into more deeply about PR. And I know the audience is going to want that. And Rebecca, just so, so grateful that we were finally uh, able to do this episode and just grateful for your friendship and, and everything that you're doing for this world and all the people that you're serving and the way that you're showing up and the fact that you are a good human. And I, I know that for 100% certainty, um, you know, that's something that we both pride ourselves on and just truly grateful for you and your friendship. And thank you again so much for being here today. My pleasure. Thank you. So everyone, again, check out the episode. Uh, like, love, review it on uh, Spotify or iTunes, wherever you're tuning in is from. Take advantage of Rebecca's free offering. I know you're going to love it. So everyone, please enjoy the rest of your days and I'll talk to you next time. Bye everyone. Thank you so much again for checking out today's episode. And if you are listening through iTunes, Spotify, wherever you are, 
please leave me a rating and review. Let me know what you loved, what you would like to see improved, or ideas you have for future episodes. And if you are interested in taking your business to the next level, don't hesitate to go to my website, www.scotterron.net, where you can schedule a free discovery call with me, where I can learn more about you, your business, what you're struggling with, and how we can work together. And don't forget to check out my wife, Nancy, and mine, our free community on Facebook called LinkedIn Leads for Life. We would love to see you in there. Have a great rest of your day. And thank you, everyone, for your support. Grateful for each and every one of you.